Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. to this episode of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Today, Stevie is at the famous Biondi Santi Tenuta Greppo Estate, speaking with Giampiero Bertolini. They discuss the changes taking place at Biondi Santi Tenuta Greppo and the iconic wines being produced here. Where are we, Giampiero? <laughs> we are in the Cantina Alta. What, what, what does that mean? It means uh, a very nice place where the family has always started uh, the process of the malolactic for our wines. Mm -hmm. Today is not used anymore for, uh, for our wines, but we host our people here for tasting our old vintages. Mostly. So, you know, we came through the staircase. How, how, do, they, how do they bring the wine and the... How, does, how did they do that? I don't see any, like, modern mechanisms here. No, there is no modern mechanism yet here. And uh, so it's... They did it manually. Yeah, they do manually. And uh, in fact, uh, we had a plan to uh, substitute all this cask here, but it was impossible because we had to open the roof and so we decided to keep as it is. And uh, it was very difficult because everything was done manually by, by the people here. And uh, so it's not ideal. <laughs> Hi, so, uh, Giampiero, of course, I know you from the Frescovaldi days, right? So the big manager moving from one house to another. Um, how has your role been? How is it different working for Biondi Santi group now than Frescovaldi? Because they're fairly big groups, right? Yeah. Well, it's very different. It's very different because my role here is different. Obviously, I have the full responsibility of the of the of this new project, new and old projects, with the idea to bring beyond the sand in the future, respecting the DNA of the family. And this is the, our mission, and the role is competitive because I also have to do these things which I never done before. So I, I need to adapt to the new situation. I have to talk and to put my face because the family. Unfortunately, it's not involved anymore in this uh, business with us. Because, because it was sold to... Yeah, it was sold to another uh, family, which is a French family. Can you tell me a little bit about the current owner? The current owner is a family. It's uh, basically it's Christopher Descour. is a French entrepreneur, very young, with a very long-term vision for the... How old is he? It's 47. Oh, he's really young. It's really young. It's yeah. really young. So, younger and, uh, than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> younger than us, no doubt. Uh, so he's very passionate about wine. He also owns a couple of Maison de Champagne, uh, Champagne, and Charles Isaac and Piper Isaac. And he has this very nice project in the fine wine business. And uh, Biondi Santi became something important for him. And, uh, and now he's very passionate about uh, everything is happening in, uh, here at Grippo. So, you know, I, I have a bone to pick with you. The website, right? Yeah. So the website, what, what is the strategy behind the website? Because you only have wines, right? 
So this is definitely your, you've specifically done this, right? Yes. Yes. This was done on purpose. Mm -hmm. And this is basically the philosophy of Biondi Santi. To be very understatement, I would say, focus everything on wine. Uh, if you go around the estate, you will see that everything is about wine and trying to get the best from the vineyard and in the cellar. Uh, so we keep doing this philosophy, which has been uh, one of the key elements of the family for 150 years. So it's almost like wine, yes, the wine um, is very much the protagonist. But if I go to your website, it's like going to a tech sheet you know, files, right? So it has all the information, very technical, if you will, right? And less about the storytelling. Would you, would you say that's bad? And you will, you plan to keep the, the communication this way? Yes and no, because uh, obviously it's very important to tell the story about this fantastic family, this fantastic estate. But the key message in the website is really about the deep history of the family because the files goes back to 1888. So it's a very clear message on how this estate has been historical for the winemaking in Italy. So it's a very simple message about the founder of the Brunello. That's it. So, so tell us a little bit more about that because not everybody knows who Biondi Santi is. So if you want to say five things, like five must know about Biondi Santi, what are those? Well, the first and most important is definitely the fact that Biondi Santi invented the Brunello. Okay. That is very and and how, how does, what, is, what does that mean? It means that in a period where in Italy nobody was thinking about quality wines and the wines were made by blending different kinds of varietals, they thought something very innovative that was one varietal, difficult because it was Sangiovese, and uh, produced with the vision to have a very high longevity of the wines. That's why today, if you taste our 1891 or 1888 or 9-25 vintage of Reserva, which we still have here in, the, in our cellar, you really have wine that are still alive and uh, which is very rare in Italy, I would say. So uh, the second point is that every generation of the family has left something very important here. The son of Ferruccio Biondisanti, which was the inventor of the Brunello, was Tancredi. And Tancredi, for example, was the one that uh, was called by the Italian government in the 60s to write the rules of the appellation here when the appellation was funded. A Brunello. The Brunello appellation. So, and these rules are still followed today by all the producers here in Montalcino. So that, that was something important, recognizing that the family has set the bar for the quality here in Montalcino. And today, you know, Montalcino is one of the most renowned areas in terms of uh, quality wines in, in Italy. So that was very relevant. Another important point that, for example, Franco Biondisanti left, the son of Tancredi, who Frank. I've had the, the greatest pleasure of meeting. Mm -hmm. So Franco was uh, an innovator for his period. He was the one that selected uh, the famous clone BBS 11, which means yeah. Brunello Biondisanti 11, mm -hmm. which uh, was the first clone ever uh, carrying the name of a family. And uh, there was a huge study that lasted seven years. And finally, they selected a clone, which was specifically 
uh, suitable for this area. And we still use this clone today here. So he was uh, an innovator. He, another point, he introduced the control temperature here in the fermentation, which was in the 80s, which was something quite uh, uh, new in that, in that period. But another important but point... But the control temperature using different vessels? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And another point which was extremely important for the appellation was what uh, Franco did in the 90s. Uh, he organized a huge event here at Grippo in 1994, displaying 100 years of wines from 1888 to 1988. So he put together 15 different vintages ranging from the, to these two dates. And that was very important because it was a period where in Tuscany, there was a big fashion behind the Super Tuscan, which are great wine, but very different from uh, the traditional Brunello like this one. And with this tasting with 15 journalists co that coming from all over the world, he proved how the good Brunello, traditional Brunello could really uh, last for such a long time. And uh, he put back on the map of the fine wines in the world, the Brunello, in a period where Brunello was really suffering. And after that, uh, what happened in Brunello? I mean, there was the explosion with the vintage 97, 99, and so forth. So that was extremely important for the appellation, really, because uh, it was the man that really put back and rebalanced a little bit the, the role of the Brunello in the, in the fine wines. So these are steps that really contributed to build this iconic estate, which uh, which has been recognized. I actually have a question from one of my team members, and I think this is a very good question. So first of all, you have, how many wines do you have? We have three wines. Okay. Rosso di Montalcino, the regular Brunello, and, and the then Reserva. the Reserva. That's it. Okay, that's it. Pretty simple, yes. right? Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. So the question from my teammate is the following. They say, Rosso di Montalcino, they feel like it's a little underrepresented because they believe perhaps the future is with your Rosso di Montalcino, which is quote unquote more modern. So how would you like to position your Rosso di Montalcino? I guess that's not exactly what he asked, but that's what I'd like to know. So. No, 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 but thank you for this question because uh, I have my personal, let's say, battle here in Montalcino to reconsider the role of the Rosso in the appellation, because I believe that the Rosso has a huge potential, but the Rosso need more attention uh, in the way we are producing the, the, the product itself, overall in general, because for many years, and also here at Grape, it was just uh, the selection of what was not suitable for Brunello could have been used for Rosso. Now here at Grape, we changed the strategy, Okay, so you have changed the we strategy. We have changed the strategy already two years ago. We have a precise target quality every year for Rosso. We are studying the soil also to have a better Rosso. A Rosso, which means uh, same philosophy, same style of the Brunello, but less complexity, more fruit, more approachable. 
And um, so it's, a, let's say, a proactive approach versus a reactive approach. So we changed this philosophy. And in the market, we have positioned this on the younger generation. And yeah, this is going I, very I, well. Yeah, I think it has to be. Also yes. because not, you know, did you see the latest study from the Silicon Valley Bank? No. Um, study. I'll send it to you. Okay. It says that the younger generation, they're not drinking wine. So we have to make them more accessible yes. and a bit more modern, right? Yes. Because the, 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 the muscular wines are not performing as well with the younger generation. Yeah. They, they don't like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I feel like that was an appropriate question. Um, because also the, the, when are you releasing the wines? This is 2006. Is this the new release? This no. is the new release, but this is the Brunello. It's not the Rosso. Right, I know. Yeah. The, the this Brunello. is the release. Yes, so it takes six years. Six years, in our so, case. Yeah, yeah. so it's, um, it's usually five, right? Usually five, yeah. yes. So it takes six years to release, and I think the wines can be enjoyed a little earlier, yeah. right? So yeah. that's the market that we want to... Yeah. Otherwise, it also should be there. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. it's. I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Listen, so we have just five more minutes. Tell us about this wine and the vintage. This wine will be released as of March uh, the first. So it, oh, it's, this is like um, it's not March first yet. So anteprima. Yeah, it's an anteprima. <laughs> it's, it's a private anteprima. It's a private anteprima, exactly. Uh, as you mentioned, we are one year uh, ahead, uh, sorry, behind the others. Uh, this vintage in Montalcino has been great. One probably of the best ever, I would say, as well as the 2015. But uh, if we compare this, for example, with 2015, this is a much colder vintage, which deliver balsamic. Um, it plays more on finesse, on uh, uh, elegance. Uh, um, and, and so I, I definitely like very much this profile of wine, be even because it reflects, I would say, more the style of the family, which uh, again plays very much on elegance. You have a very good red fruit on the nose, and the wine it's, uh, has already some balsamic. And one of the key characteristics of Biondisanti, which is extremely reflected here, is the freshness. So you feel this wine, how is fragrant and uh, it's fresh in the mouth and this provide longevity provide uh, i would say drinkability and also i would always suggest to pair wine with food i'm not uh, really suggesting just to taste wine uh, by itself but the food is always very important to exalt the, the characteristic of the wine but you know um you're releasing it one year later than everybody else because it's the tradition or you feel like the wine isn't ready? What is... No, no, no. There is a technical reason behind it. Mm -hmm. We decided to increase the time in the bottle before releasing the wines. And this time in the bottle is the one year more that we had and we keep at this state. Because once we release the bottle, we want the wine to be ready to be drunk. And then you, you may decide to drink now or to drink in 50 years, but after six years, seven years for the reserva, you, you can open it. When does it when is it when does it show its maximum maximum potential? 
at what age? It's difficult to say. I mean, it depends, depends on the vintage, exactly. right? Exactly. It depends right. very much on the vintage. But this but is we, a very good vintage like the 15. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but they are different in, the, in that respect because yeah. the 15 is much uh, uh, warmer. So probably it will be, the peak will be in a shorter period of time than this. This is going to be a longer longevity probably. And I would say in uh, four to five years, you already get a very good wine. And then becomes you know gets into the period that you start perceiving the third cherry aromas which provide different experiences so to me it's different to say there is a window because our experience here at grapefruit and when we taste all the reservas today are good in six months they change and maybe are not as good as so it's a cyclical more than like this you know who's the winemaker oh, no. the winemaker here is federico radi Federica has been working for more than 20 years in, with Sangiovese in Tuscany, mm -hmm. a different producer here. And he came on board in 2017. So his first vintage is 17. Oh, so yeah. we, so have we haven't seen here. his wine yet. No, I mean, he followed the wine in the cellar, but the, the harvest was done by Jacopo mm -hmm. Santi at that time. Yeah. So um, in terms of the style... Um, since the new company took over, the new family took over, it hasn't altered the style. No, not at all. So you're, you're, the, the magic formula you, you're still keeping absolutely, in a way. Absolutely. Right? Uh, we changed nothing here, in, uh, in neither in the vineyard nor in the cellar. We tried to be more precise. This is, yes, we have to move forward in a way that we need to be more precise, but the style has to stay. As My, more precise in the vineyard or in winemaking? In, in, in both? In, in both, in both, both. In the blending, in yeah. the tasting. We do a lot of tasting. Every, every other week we do tasting with the technical team of the different parcels that we have identified. And this is a structural work that should bring us to be more precise for the blending, the final blending of each vintage. So um, my last question before I let you go, because it's four. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. I just called thank you yesterday. You. I'm like, it's always a pleasure to meet you, Steve. You um, what is the biggest challenge that lies ahead right now? Um, you know, in the next, I would say, two to three years for your company. Like, what would you like? What is your objective? What would you like to accomplish? I mean, it's short. It's short. Term. Yeah, it's short term, but the, the most important thing is to reconnect with the, all the people around the world and to show what is beyond this anti in real, because we realize that majority of the people knew beyond this anti very well as a name, but they didn't taste the wine. So we need to put the wine in front of the people to talk about our history through the wines and to reconnect all these people. That's the first priority. The second one is to, uh, let's say, acquire um, credibility in our project. Because it's obvious that when the French came to Montalcino, there was an issue of credibility. So we focus very much to show everyone what we are doing here, because this is the best way to show how we are preparing the future. So to build credibility in our team, in our project, to me, it's absolutely key to, uh, let's say, put Beyond the Santi back in the arena of the best wine of the world.
But do you mean credibility? Do you mean trustworthiness or from 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 the local? No, from the local, from uh, from, from the wine community. From the wine community, because uh, it's quite normal that a family that has been on board for 150 years yeah. and sold to a French, a French family, company, French yeah. company, the people could ask themselves what is going to happen at Grippo now. So, and what we are doing since I joined here three years ago is just to show what we are doing in the vineyard, in the cellar, in the wine, testing the wine. The people should judge themselves. So it's a process. And this process should prepare the ground for the future. Because uh, I believe this is a key element for, for again, for the credibility of the whole project and, and, and the wines. Okay, great. Listen, thank you so much. Grazie, Stevie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast, and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.